Welcome to Books and Beyond with your host, Alison. Join us for half an hour of information, entertainment, reading recommendations and beyond. Brought to you by Auckland Libraries. I know this girl and she works in a No my haere mai kia ora. Welcome to our Books and Beyond Literary Lounge session with Alison and Inika. Kia ora, Inika. Kia ora, Alison. Well, look, on today's show, we're going to be uh, talking about what we've been reading and then what's on our massive to-be-read lists, (laughs) Uh, because we're going to continue with our Booker's Dozen series, where we break down the 2021 Booker Prize long list and offer some suggestions on what else you might want to read while you wait to get your hands on the long-listed titles. Awesome. So, but before we get to that, what have you been reading this week, Inika? Oh, well, um, I have been reading a couple of um, coming-of-age novels, and I think you might have as well, yeah. from what I've been gathering over mm. the coffees. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to have a, a bunch of young young people. Let's talk mm. about the youngs. Yeah. The book I've been reading um, most recently is Edie Richter is Not Alone by Rebecca Handler. This is a 2021 novel, a debut by um, San Francisco-based writer Rebecca Handler. Um, Now, our main character Edie is in her 30s and she's recently um, been married to a nice guy called Oren. Um, She has just moved from the US to Perth in Australia. Um, Oren's been transferred for work. But this has happened at a really um, significant time for her. Um, it's happened straight after she's witnessed firsthand the rapid decline and then death of her beloved father due to Alzheimer's. Now, she was one of her primary caregivers in his last year of life. And so she's in a sort of state of, of severe grief and limbo. And she's actually also carrying a secret that only she knows about the circumstances around his death. Now, I'm not going to let you know what those circumstances Mm. are because I think you should read it. Um, Now, the title says Edie Rector is not alone, but actually she isn't. Um, Her mum and sister are in contact with her. Um, Oren's quite supportive, although he is busy with his new job. Um, And she gets a pretty warm welcome from the Australians that she meets when she first gets there, Um, at least until it starts turning to custard, really. Um, She's got this burden of secrecy and guilt and fear around what happened with her father's death. And she's carrying that all on her own. She hasn't told anyone what's happened there. And there's tension in this grows throughout the book. Um, She is going to explode if she doesn't tell someone soon. And whether she tells someone or doesn't, um, it will put her Aussie neighbours' noses out of joint. It's mm. just a heads up there. Now, it sounds funny. It is It is funny at times, mm. but mostly it's, it's quite a sort of um, serious book, really, um, with a touch of sort of autofiction because Rebecca Handler herself watched her own father die from complications relating to Alzheimer's, and she also moved to Perth for a time afterwards. So it's mm. got that, that thing that we see quite a lot in books, quite, you know, heavily... Uh, influenced yeah. by her own experience. And the writing's quite plain. Um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Otessa Moshvig. Oh, right. It's, um, it's got some humour, um, but it is, and it's quite unflinching. And the, these sort of hard truths that come up in the book about, you know, when is the right time to be cruel, to be kind? Does the distance, you know, whether you're physically on the other side of the world or you, whether you've got emotional distance from the people around you, make the heart grow fonder? Or does it really make a difficult situation worse? And also how much is one life worth? 
Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting one. She's she's a really smart writer, a very acute observer of human behaviour and relationships. She had a cool outsider eye on Aussie characters. I really like mm. those bits. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot about um, sort of how we can convince ourselves into a decision or an action when we're under pressure and what the consequences of that can be. Um, it sort of remind me a bit of Sorrow and Bliss. Oh, yes, yeah. the Meg Mason. Yeah, mm. a little bit, a little bit. Sort of woman in crisis, um, low self-esteem, feeling quite unlovable and a little bit detached from those who are caring for her while she's kind of... Yeah, going through this crisis. Yeah, it's uh, less than 200 pages. I think it's a good uh, good one to read in one sitting. That's what I did. Mm. Oh, that does sound really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, look, I read something um, that I really enjoyed this, this week, and it's also perhaps we could um, take that theme of the fabric unravelling, um, um, a life um, perhaps un- unravelling, uh, depending on how you read it. So this one's called... Careless, and it's um, by Kirsty Capes, just published in 2021 mm. as well. <clears throat> um, it's Kirsty Capes' debut novel, and it looks as though it's destined to be quite a hit, actually. It's a, a powerful uh, coming-of-age novel set in 1990s Britain. So there's um, lots of pop culture references there for those of us old enough to remember or young enough to remember that time as well. So it's a story about a a young woman called Bess who's in the foster care system in the UK and um, she's when the story begins she's 15 and she's been in the care of the same family since she was about four years old. And so to the authorities, this placement is actually a a success Mm. because she's got a roof over her head, food on the table and foster parents who appear to love her. Um, It's conditional love, but hey, you know, that's good enough Mm. and stable. And so, yeah, she's a a success in inverted commas. Mm -hmm. So when we meet Bess, as I said, she's... 15, and she's just discovered that she's pregnant um, to a a 19-year-old chap called Boy. Um, She doesn't even know his real name, but Mm -hmm. everyone calls him Boy. Now, Boy's a really rebellious kind of guy. He's actually a petty thief um, because he meets Bess when he steals her bike. (laughs) So, and then it's... Meet cute. Yes. So it's kind of like that enemies to lovers (laughs) trope, actually. Love you, you know, hate you. (laughs) You stole my bike, I love you. Um, But, so he's a thief and everything, but he's essentially got a good heart, but he's kind of not the kind of boy that your mum would want you to be involved with, let alone to be the father of your child, put it that way. Um, now, Bess's relationship with her foster mum, Lisa, is pretty fraught. Mm. Um, so the um, dilemma she faces, she must decide, um, should she keep the baby or have a termination and pursue her dreams of becoming a, a filmmaker? Um, and all of this while trying to be a, a normal teenager mm. and um, because it's in the 90s too they're always lighting up fags out the back of the, <laughs> the shops and 
drinking um, lukewarm lagers. Anything about that, Alison? No, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So um, fortunately for for Bess, she's got a best friend from school called Ishal. And um, Ishal's parents, Mr and Mrs Bandari, um, have immigrated from Bangladesh. And um, they've got their own huge problems navigating a really racist society. Mm. But Mrs Bandari wraps Bess in love. And there's a real lesson here about families of choice, mm. you know, those people we choose yeah. to have in our lives. Um, now, what's so interesting about this, Bess, Bess's voice um, really clearly tells the story of the experience of being in care. Mm. And um, apparently there's very little around that that gives voice to the, the foster care experience. And she says things like, my two life choices are either to do really, really well at school so I can get out of town as quickly as possible or become one of the locals in the crossroads who drink so much that all their teeth have fallen out. I could go either way right now. Mm. Um, and then she talks about the limits that are placed on foster care families um, from the the system or the authorities and she says in this family we don't talk about love we just don't it's a care thing it's against the rules for starters the rules that say foster carers can't hug you or even take you for a haircut without permission gosh so it's um yeah and so talk about struggles for bodily autonomy you know Mm. you can't even get a haircut without getting permission yeah let alone have um, the usual um, issues of that teenage girls and, and women face about sure. control of their bodies, sure. etc. Yeah, so profound insight really into the impact um, of the conditional love that's placed on a, a looked-after child mm. um, and the transactional nature of being in in care. When she finds all the receipts that her foster mums kept about the, you know, things where they might have gone to the park or, you know, on a holiday or something like that and or bought some clothes and and then she realises that her her foster parents are claiming everything back. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. does feel, it becomes like a transaction, doesn't it? Mm. Gee, it's a, a good book. It absolutely stole my heart. Um, I just loved the relationship between Bess and Ishal. Mm. And I found that the book had a bit of a Dairy Girls vibe going on, <laughs> actually. Sort of kind of like Dairy Girls without the nuns. <laughs> Not a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> so um, interestingly, the, the author, Kirsty Capes, grew up in the, the care system in the UK and um, she now advocates for, for better representation for for care-experienced people right. in the media. Um, and she's been um, mentored and academically supervised by Professor Bernadine Evaristo. Oh, wonderful. Who won the book up for, for Girl, Woman, Other. Yes. Um, and she's recently completed a PhD in literature that's looking at um, female-centric care narratives in contemporary fiction. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah. So it's good that that work's being done. Absolutely. I can only think of one other book that's sort of on that vein, and it's by Kit DeWell. Oh. Um, is it My Name is Leon, maybe, or one of her other ones? I'm trying to think. Yes, that rings a bell. Yeah. 
which I highly recommend too. Yeah. 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 Oh, this sounds great. I'm definitely going to get on the list for that. Yeah. Oh, it's it's good. And it's funny too, funny and sad. And yeah, it's a really good read. Yeah, sounds awesome. Well, on to our third coming Ooh. of age novel. Uh, this is um, also 2021. Gee, we've got a lot of those today. Yeah. And it's called Snowflake by Louise Nilon, um, who is an Irish writer, a young Irish writer. Um, now, I think that probably fans and maybe even haters of Sally Rooney will really enjoy this coming-of-age story um, set in um, just outside of Dublin. Um, now, our main character is Debbie White. She's 18. She's smart as a tack, and she's very bored of her life on a small, rundown dairy farm about an hour out of Dublin. Um, she really loves her Uncle Billy, who's helped to bring her up um, but he, he's got his own struggles with um, getting the farm work done um, because he's got a drinking problem. So he's got a lot on his, his plate, um, Uncle Billy. He lives in the caravan next door. Um, she she does try and avoid having too much interaction with her mum. Um, her mum is called Maeve, and Maeve had um, Debbie when she was only 18. So, you know, young mum. Um Maeve has got a bit of a touch of that, you know, Irish magic about her, um, mm. but also tipping over into some mental health issues. Um, she scrapbooks her entire room with her dream diaries, and she insists that both she and Debbie have got the skill of predicting the future. She believes that they both, um, when they dream, they're actually observing other people's lives in their dreams. So it's a bit hard to describe, mm. but um, yeah, she's quite an eccentric character and and her eccentricities quite easily tip over into um, uncaring, sometimes violent, sometimes damaging um, experiences for herself and her family. Um, now Debbie has um, just finished school and she's managed to get into Trinity College, um, but she's actually she's got quite a low confidence level and she's trying to kind of slip through college and kind of get what she needs out of it without having to interact too much with teachers, other students. Mm. She's quite insecure about fitting in and um, she's got a sort of strong wish that she wishes she was as confident and kind of cashed up as some of the people that are there, but she's also got this strong kind of resentment for that as well. Um, she'd really like to have a boyfriend. Um, actually, she'd quite like her best friend's boyfriend, who she mm-hmm. had the crush on first. But she's she's not really sure if she wants to take it further than than a good snog. Um, she's a bit sarky. She's a bit insecure, like I said. She's very worried about her mum and her increasingly unpredictable behaviours. Um, and she's not really sure what to do about it and what she what she can do about it because she's kind of got used to um, keeping that under wraps from other people in the outside of the home, um, the way her mum's behaviours kind of can tip over. Um, the book kind of builds up into a, a, a kind of series of um, crises that sort of follow one after the other, which brings them to sort of a tipping point where things really can't go on as they have been without getting some outside help. So... Yeah, this this is a really quick, satisfying read. It's got heaps going for it. Um, now, some people found, you know, that they didn't really enjoy, you know, Marianne and Connor mm. and um, Connor Connell and um, uh, normal. normal people. Mm. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I was like conversations with friends. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Debbie is a very, very likable and sympathetic character. She's got a real dry humour, and she's got quite a soft centre. Um, she really wants to get further towards what she thinks is a successful adulthood. Um, she doesn't have like great examples of that going on in her mm. life, but she does have lots of love um, coming in in different ways. Um, she has to swap between being the child and the carer, 
when she's at home. And then she has to kind of try and take on another role with her university friends. And she's never really sure if she's hitting the mark. So it's very relatable coming of age story. Yeah. It sounds really good. Yeah. yeah. And it's a real experience rather than, yeah, it's got this sort of, yeah, f- small, big fish, well, no, small fish in mm. a big pond kind of feel as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. Mm. I'm going to put my name down for that one. Nice. Well, now, um, as you may have heard from us when we were talking last week, um, the highly anticipated Booker long list of 13 novels is out and about in the world now. And we've been um, taking the opportunity to take a look at all the titles and we're also providing some additional tasty titles to whet your appetite (laughs) if you're waiting for the main course. (laughs) So now we present to you part two of the Auckland Library's mini-series on the Booker's Dozen. Um, So, as we say, last week we did episode one. So today we're going to talk about three more titles that are on the the Booker Dozen. Mm. Um, So last week we looked at Maggie Shipstead's Great Circle and Damon Gulgut's The Promise. And so this week we're going to talk about The China Room, by um, Sanjeev Sahota and An Island by Karen Jennings. And I think we'll have time for The Sweetness of Water. We'll try and squeeze that in. We'll see how we go. Yeah. Yeah. By Nathan Harris. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first one up is China Room by Sanjeev Sahota. So this book, um, the synopsis here, um, we haven't got our hands on it yet. So just reading off the screen. Um, Meha is a young bride in rural 1929 Punjab and she is trying to discover the identity of her new husband. She's been married to three brothers in a single ceremony, but she hasn't met them yet. Now, spiralling around Meha's story, we have a story at the other end of the century. Um, a young man who arrives in Punjab, he's trying to shake off an addiction. So he's been dealing with... Um, with um, racism in England and addiction issues and kind of struggling with his identity there and he has come back to India to try and reconnect with his homeland and his family. Now, we would suggest that you take a look at one of Sunjeev Sahota's earlier books, The Year of the Runaways. Now, this one tells, um, there's plenty of copies at the moment, so you can get this at the library while you wait for the for China Room. Um, this is um, about a sort of a family of choice thrown together by circumstance, a bit like what we were talking before. Mm. Um, 13 young men live in a house in Sheffield. They're each in flight from India from different reasons, and they're all looking for new lives. It, it moves between India and England and between childhood experiences and the present day. We'd also suggest that, um, now these one, this one is not set um, in India. Um, this is Home Fire by Camilla Shamsi from 2017. And you may be familiar with this book. Um, it was um, a very big book in its year. Um, this um, is a story of a family um, of siblings. Um, Isma is the eldest in the family and she has had the charge of her younger siblings for many years. Now, it's a big responsibility for a young person in her early 20s. Um, she gets an invitation um, to go to America to pursue her studies and she would really like to be able to take the opportunity up. But she's still worried about how her sister back in London is going to fear without her and she's particularly worried about their brother Parve Parve's who's um who's disappeared and um now the secret behind this family is that they have a jihadi father who um you know they haven't really had a 
good connection with. They have never, um, Pavai in particular, has never met met his father. He resurfaces after disappearing half a world away, and um, this is when Ismar realizes that he has been kind of captured up in the jihadi mindset and has gone to kind of prove himself in the homeland. Yeah, very fascinating novel. Um, again, a really short read, really powerful and hard-hitting. It's a British Muslim second generation experience rather than British Hindi in this case, but it's got that same return to the family's homeland um, for you know difficult reasons. Yeah, that have to be explored in the book. Now, it's loosely based on the Greek tragedy of Antigone, which I cannot remember the details of right now. <laughs> I've realised. Despite having studied it at school. Oh, my goodness. I but, had um, to confess that earlier, didn't I? <laughs> but I can promise you from my own heart that you won't be missing very much if you're not familiar with that story. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I also recommend, um, this is an older book, um, but uh, quite a famous one, a 1993 book, A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth. Now, we talk about chonkers. This book is mm. 1,300 or more pages long. It's huge, isn't it? It's absolutely yeah. huge. Um, it tells the story of Lata, who's 16 at the start of the novel, and her mother's attempts to find a suitable boy for her through love or through maternal appraisal. <laughs> uh, it's set in post-independence India, and it follows the lives of four very large families, and it also explores... Um, the cultural context and the historical context um, of the Indian continent. So this is a really broad-ranging book. It's it's a real experience. You will never forget reading it. Um, it is a long time since I've read it, but um, you've read other books by Vikram Seth and been equally impressed, hey, Alison? Yes, I just adore him. I think he's the most exquisite writer, mm. and um, I've loved everything he's written. So he's just, he's divine. He's really, yeah, mm. I can't say enough about about him. So. Ringing endorsement. Yes, yeah. and he's just, his writing is beautiful. It's really lush, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Mm. Now this is, this one was controversially not chosen for the book along list in its year of publication, but ended up winning first place in an alternative kind of not the booker oh. prize, which was judged by other writers. Um, really worth your time. Apparently it's been recently adapted into a miniseries which you can find on Netflix, which I haven't checked out yet, but yeah, yeah. one to look out for too. And I didn't realise that, so Oh, I'm going to check that out I think as well. it's on Netflix, Lee. Fab. Oh, that's good. Well, look, um, the next one we're going to do um, from the the booklet, uh, the uh, long list, the booker. <laughs> the book booker. Booker booker. Have a looker at the booker. Let's, let's do that. I've been wanting to say that all morning. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, this book called An Island by Karen Jennings. Mm. Now, Karen Jennings is a South African writer. Um, she lives in Brazil. Now, um, I think her something her husband works there or is okay. studying there or something. But anyway, so anyway, this one is her third novel, and um, her interests lie in colonialism historically and also in the lasting impact that colonialism has had on the continent of Africa and and beyond. Mm. So she's got pretty broad interests. So. Um, the story of an island, um, the main character, Samuel, um, is an elderly lighthouse keeper who's lived alone on an unnamed small island for many, many years. And one morning he finds that the sea has brought someone to offer companionship and also to threaten his solitude. Mm. So basically a young refugee has washed up unconscious on the beach 
So Samuel's really unsettled by this, and he's soon swept up in memories of his former life on the mainland, um, a life that saw his country suffer under colonisers, then fight for independence, only to fall under the rule of a, a cruel dictator. Mm. And Samuel also recalls his own part in in this um, continent's history. So then uh, with the presence of, of the new young man, he, he starts to consider, as he did in his youth, what do we mean by land and, and who does it belong to? Mm. And what lengths will a person go to to ensure that what is theirs, what they think is theirs, will not be taken from them. So um, apparently it's a novel about guilt and fear, friendship and rejection, and about the meaning of, of home. Wow. We call home. Sounds like a little microcosm. Yeah. That, you know, look at that experience of having someone come onto your turf. Yes, that's right. Mm. I can't wait to read it. It sounds really, really good. Um, now, what we were thinking, some, some books to read while you wait, to get hold of this one, um, I would choose um, The Sympathiser by um, Viet Tan Nguyen, um, 2015, that mm. came out. Um, now, this one's a novel about the Vietnam War and then the experience of um, being a, a Vietnamese refugee in America in the, the 70s and 1980s. Um, it also it has a lot about the horrors of war and the experience of displaced people who are setting out in boats to, to try and get to a new life. Mm, still um, happening, of course. Yes, yep. of course. Still as relevant as, as ever. Ever it was. And um, when you're in the, the promised land, the, the power of that land, but also the paranoia that... Um, is often experienced. Um, and in this one, the sympathiser, there's spies, double agents, and the Catholic Church. So, yeah, what are some hefty? Yes, yes. <laughs> hefty what a, eyes. What a good trinity that, yes. that would be. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And so the other one I would be inclined to um, recommend on that one is um, the one by Dave Eggers. Um, 2006, so it's going back a, a wee while, and it's called What is the What? Mm. Now, this is a um, was a biographical novel based on the life of um, a Sudanese child refugee called um, Valentino Archek Deng, and he immigrated to the United States under um, the, a program called the Lost Boys of Sudan, mm. and this was after the Second Sudanese Civil War, um, which started in the late eighties and went through to two thousand and five. Oh gosh, that's long. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, huge chunk of, of history. And um, during this time, and I must admit to my shame, I don't know a great deal about this, but no. um, I think from I learned really from reading this book mm. um, that tens of thousands of children were displaced or orphaned during this terrible time. And they um, embarked on really treacherous journeys to refugee camps in Ethiopia and Kenya where they waited to be resettled mm. in, in promised lands, countries like America and oh, yeah, Europe, dangers of children alone in that situation. Yes, yeah. that's right. But as you say, it's still happening now, isn't it? Nothing right. ever changes. 
And then the other one I'd be inclined to um, recommend would be Exit West by Motion Hamid. Oh, I love that book. Yeah, you've talked about that quite mm. a bit, haven't you? 2017. Um, and that's a um, novel about the, the refugee experience of a, a young couple. Um, now, they're living in an... It's an unnamed city, isn't it? That's yeah. ungo- undergoing civil war. Um, and there's this sort of magical realism part there of it, is. isn't it? Yeah, there is. and they managed to escape the, the city um, using it sort of a system of magical doors. Yeah, or, with sort of gatekeepers. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, people in the know. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if that's a bit of a metaphor because you really do need – there's so many gatekeepers, I imagine, on the way – that's right. That's right. In order to actually make it happen. And then yes. you, you have to just make the most of what you find when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's it's an amazing book, isn't it? It is. Beautiful. It is. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying to you earlier, too, and perhaps we could put it on our longer book list, but um, what I'd also be inclined to, you know, while you're waiting for An Island by Karen Jennings, mm. I'd even look at some of the earlier Margaret Atwoods, yes. too. Yes. Yep. Um, and then there's an Anne Patchett, some of Anne Patchett's stuff, I think you could quite easily read and enjoy and get the feel for. Yeah, I think we should add a few extra titles onto the blog post that goes with this so we can yeah. explore it a bit more. Yeah. Yes, but um, uh, particularly because um, then you you do get a, a more of a, a female perspective of of looking for refuge, safety. Yes, yes, that that's true. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I think we won't have time for The Sweetness of Water by Nathan Harris. We'll have to leave that till next time. Yeah, sadly, we will have to. So look, thank you, everyone. We will talk to you next week and or in the week after, mm. whenever. And um, thank you so much. Happy reading. Haere rā, kā kite anō.